Hi, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, seeking the approval of man, and same-sex attraction. Hey, guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing me to a place where I'm able to share my story fully with others around me. I pray that the part of my flesh that is terrified will be drowned out by my soul, which longs to share all that you have done in my life. I pray that you have used, are using, and will use it to bring others to a place of obedience and peace in you. In your son's name I pray, amen. Early on, my focus was always to get ahead and be the most liked. Uh, I craved good grades, praise from my parents, teachers, and coaches, um, getting my next best time and a swim meet, and any popularity I could lay my hands on, including leaving old friends in the dust to move up a social ladder. I needed to be liked and thought well of. The thought that somebody thought badly of me, especially someone with authority over me or somebody that might have been more popular than me, could wreck me until I had fixed it. If I needed to tell a little white lie here or put a little, uh, give a little bit of a, leave a little bit of a story there to achieve these goals, it seemed like a small price to pay. In Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For am I now see- seeking the favor of men or God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Certainly not a bondservant of Christ. I think these lies seemed small to me at the time because there was a much bigger one that I kept hidden at all costs. I was attracted to other guys. It had been that way for me from the beginning. As I moved through puberty, it was a time where I had lost several guy friends for various reasons and only had female friends. Um, I was longing for brotherhood. In my longing, I made a choice to look at images on late night TV um, and the internet of men rather than women. Those choices were reinforced by many years of seeking pornography and masturbation and ultimately led to a consistent desire for men rather than women. I spent a good part of my life trying to make up for this failing by doing more for God, only to find out it could never be enough. On the night of my 17th birthday, I was sitting on a beach in Florida before our nightly worship and teaching at church camp. Um, I remember earnestly reaching out to God. I told him how tired I was and how crappy my year had been. I felt like I had been searching for him for all that year and had nothing to show for my efforts. I told him he had the rest of the week to convince me he was there or I was done. The sermon that came 30 minutes later uh, was about drinking from the well of the Lord rather than uh, the wells of earthly pleasures, which dry up so quickly. And it had me on my knees begging for him to come into my heart. For the first time, I really understood what Paul teaches us in Romans, that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin are death, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That, we are all, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. But that high did not come with any real confession of my sins. And my repentance and turning from my sin didn't last more than two weeks. Um, I was saved, uh, but had not started transforming my life into one that looked like his. I also only had sorrow over my sin because of the consequences I had experienced um, and did not regret that my rebellion was against a loving father. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow just of the world leads to death. In college, after a year of pursuing popularity through partying, I joined a Christian fraternity. It was there that I first learned that you could be a believer who was actively seeking God, have fun, and not be completely weird. 
I learned from guys, uh, I learned this from guys who I'm still in community with today. Those guys introduced me to concept of daily devoting, confession, accountability. It was there that I feel like I truly began seeking the Lord. I was open enough with the guys in my accountability with, uh, I was open enough with the guys I was in accountability with to share my struggle with porn, uh, but not the extent of the problem or the type of porn that I was looking at. Twice in college, I got up the courage to confess my struggle with same-sex attraction to somebody. I confessed to both my college pastor and my fraternity advisor. Both were men of faith who I really respected, um, and they were also men I didn't have a ton of social interaction with. Um, while the responses were loving and kind, neither really made any efforts to discuss any further, um, which I choose to take as rejection. It solidified my opinion that this was some, a secret that I needed to take to my grave. During my sophomore year, an amazing thing happened. Um, I met a girl, uh, a girl who loved that I was trying to run hard after the Lord, a girl who would meet me on campus in the mornings so that we could sit quietly next to each other um, while we spent time in God's Word, a girl who could always make me laugh, a girl who stirred in me feelings I did not think I would ever have for the opposite sex, a girl who would later become my wife. I remember clearly the day that I knew I wanted to marry her. We were driving in the car, and she confessed to me some of her own mistakes from the past. Hearing her pour out her heart, I felt no contempt, just love and compassion for her. To my shame, though, I longed to reciprocate the confession. I stayed silent. So much pain could have been avoided had I spoken up then. Fast forward 10 years, and by all outward appearances, I was doing well. I have a great job, great wife, beautiful daughter, great community group, um, serving in various leadership positions here in the church, and being asked to do more. But I was also having near daily panic attacks and was still addicted to porn and not really talking about either of them. Um, I even had myself convinced that the panic attacks were really something else. I went to specialist after specialist trying to find the cause. Um, it would take me five years for my first panic attack to admit to myself what was going on. I was lying to myself and everyone around me, and it was causing me to physically break down. Psalm 32, three through four says, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my, gro through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I knew it was time to open up. I asked God to help me find a way to tell my wife what I'd been hiding for so long. I asked him if she could just ask me because I was not sure I could force myself to say the words. On the night, um, I felt like it was time to confess in conjunction with a conversation about someone else's sin in our community group. She asked me what it was that I searched for um, when I was looking for porn. I froze. She made a joke that, um, about what I might have searched for, trying to lighten the mood. And I just stared at her, trying to form words. Um, and then she said, oh, is it guys? And all I could do was nod and cry. What happened next was so far from any scenario I had ever imagined. She comforted me. She cried with me. She was devastated by the amount of pain I had put myself through by carrying this burden alone. She loved me despite it all. And in that moment, maybe for the first time, I really understood the love of Christ by seeing it alive in her. The reckless, amazing, and never-ending love that he has for me. The next days were harder. There were a lot of questions. I answered many honestly, but still held back the extent of my pornography addiction. Later that week, we sat in our best friend's living room as I shared with them all that I had shared with my wife. I had been friends with Steve for 13 years at this point and was terrified about how he would react. But again, I was met with love and grace. 
when we were done talking, he walked over and very deliberately gave me a hug. That simple act um, helped me to feel that I was not disgusting um, and that it gave, and it gave me a lot of hope for my future. I subsequently shared with the rest of my community group It was hard, but again, I was met with grace and guys who were willing to get past the awkwardness and ask me hard questions. Unfortunately, when I slipped up again and looked at porn, I could not bring myself to tell the guys or Casey. Knowing that it was, um, knowing that I was lying sent me back into a dark place of depression and coping with even more porn. And now I wasn't just lying by omission, I was flat out lying. In the summer of 2017, I decided to go to Regen knowing that I had to find a way out. I told my community group that I needed to understand freedom in Christ, what it really was, and that I was still dealing with the guilt of my sin. True, but not the whole truth. In step two, believe, I realized that I, um, I really didn't trust God. In many ways, uh, I thought I knew better than he did. Um, I thought long and hard over the acronym KAT, Knowledge, Agreement, and Trust. Did I disobey God because I didn't know what he said? No. Because I did not agree with him? Maybe or because I doubted him, probably. In step four inventory, I realized that I'm a wildly dishonest and prideful person. I would lie even in the small things if I thought it would make me look better in someone's eyes. I assumed that I could not be prideful because I had such a low opinion of myself. How could I be proud when I hated who I was? But pride in me was more about thinking I knew the best path rather than God better than others. In step five, confession, and step nine, amends, I realized that I had to be obedient to the word of God despite the worldly consequences that came from it. Confession is not the right thing to do because, based on the outcome, but the right thing to do because he told me to. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can't be cleansed from sins we refuse to confess. I confessed that I had, been, that I had fallen back into porn and was lying about it and asked for forgiveness and made a plan for amends. But when I initially confessed, I made it seem like it was only once or twice. I had to go back and confess again that it was actually much more than that. I had to go back a third time to further clarify and confess the full extent of my porn problem that had lasted at that point almost 20 years. A bit of advice for you guys. Confess it all the first time. The slow trickle of confession is harder on you and especially on those you're confessing to. This round of confession was just harder not necessarily because of the nature of my sin, but because of the dishonesty. Casey was devastated that I had not trusted her enough to be honest about where I was. My community was completely let down by how I had hid and blatantly lied to their faces. Um, I was barely hanging on. I put every scrap of energy I had into total honesty with them and hanging on to the Lord. Every night I would cry out to him to help me stay on the path. I knew that this was something he was requiring of me, but that there was no way I could continue on without him. I realized I had also lied to several church leaders here who I was serving under in an effort to be seen in a positive way by them. Ironically, my fear was that if people knew about my sin, it would disqualify me for leadership. But in reality, the lack of honesty was the disqualification. Through the guidance, my community, through the guidance of my community group, I stepped down from all areas where I was serving here at Watermark. My actions showed that I was not abiding with Christ and therefore could not be serving out of the outflow of his love for me, but rather out of my own strength. I needed to spend some time working on my relationship with the Lord first and serving him second. That required several very uncomfortable conversations. Again, I was always met with grace and love, 
but it did not change the fact that I needed to step back and in some cases share with the team that I was leaving why I was stepping down. And step six, repent. I made a plan with my community group and my wife. I realized that if I was going to really run after Christ, I needed to be confessing at the thought level and identifying red flags early, such as not spending time in the word and sharing with the guys where temptation had been strongest for me. At step seven, follow. I began to worry that my change would not last. And then I read Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? God reminded me that I just needed to keep running after him, seeking him first, and the other stuff would come along just fine. At step eight, forgive. I learned that I don't have the right to forgive myself. He does. Who am I to question his judgment? And that allowed me to let go of a lot of my self-hate. Today, I can say that because I have learned to run to Christ, I have been sober from pornography and masturbation for over two years. That is not to say I'm free from temptation. Uh, I have learned that freedom does not mean a lack of temptation, but the confidence to run to Christ in that temptation, knowing that he will help me through. I need to run towards God rather than running away from my sin, which is just self-managing the problem. It is, and it has made all the difference. I'm quick to take thoughts captive, correct my tendency toward dishonesty, and recognize when I am allowing the desire for approval of others to influence my actions. I'm far from sin-free. I'm still working on removing idols of comfort and food from my life and my tendency towards anger. In 2 Corinthians 12:9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for your power is perfected in my weakness. I've come to a place where I'm okay with, and in some ways, grateful for the fact that he has not taken away my temptation that I've asked him to so often. I realize that because of my pride, if I did not have something like a same-sex attraction wrecking my self-confidence, I would feel like I have this whole thing covered and I wouldn't need God. In many ways, allowing the temptation to continue is what allowed me to draw closer to him. His power is perfected in my weakness. When I, started to, when I start to believe lies about how disgusting and unworthy I am, I have a handy list to turn to uh, with the truth of God who loves me. His grace is sufficient for me and made perfect in my weakness, 2 Corinthians 12. I am cleansed from all sin, 1 John 1. I am redeemed from the pit and crowned with steadfast love and mercy, Psalm 103. I am made alive together with him, forgiven of all my trespasses, and without debt, Colossians 2. I am not condemned, Romans 8. I am a branch who abides in Christ, John 15. I am justified by my faith, Romans 5. And nothing can separate me from, the God and his, from God and his love for me, Romans 8. I was slow to jump back into leadership in the church even after I finished Regen. I'm now co-leading my second group, closed group um, that, last, that started last year. I read Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 before I initially decided to jump back into leadership. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, um, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. I knew that this is what he was calling me to, and I have a hope I did not have before. Many times I've caught myself smiling while someone is sharing something hard here. Seems a bit odd, um, but I have seen in my own life, in the lives of the men in my previous region groups, and already in the lives of the men who I'm leading now, um, how the awesome transforming power of Christ. As far as I'm concerned, I have the best seat in the house. I have a front row view of Christ breaking men down to build them back up, whole and free. If it's your first time here tonight, welcome. 
I'm so glad that you're here. This place is a place of hope and joy. Keep showing up and trust that God has got something amazing planned for you. Habakkuk 1.5 says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days that you would not believe if you were told. Well, that's not specifically a promise for us in our situation today. I can tell you, nonetheless, it is true. Just wait. If you lean into him, he will do something in your days that you would not believe if you were told. My name is John. I have a new life in Christ, and it is marked with freedom and hope. And I am recovering from pride, seeking the approval of man, and same-sex attraction. Thank you.